Welcome to this episode of Ready, Set, Grit, Your Life on Purpose with Ellen Barton, where you'll hear thought-provoking discussion, inspirational stories, and get action tips for creating the life of your dreams. Hello, and welcome to Ready, Set, Grit, Your Life on Purpose, a weekly podcast in which we talk about the secrets behind living the life you've always dreamed of. I'm Ellen Barton, and today my guest is speaker, author, coach, and psychotherapist, Viola Edward. Viola, welcome to the show. Hi. Hi. Thank you. Very happy to be with you in the show. Yeah, I'm excited to uh, talk with you and to hear all about your adventures and your work. And um, to say that you've had a uh, non-traditional upbringing and career path is an understatement. Um, So I just want to jump right in there. And one of the things that I love about your story and your journey is that it's so unique and you've taken experiences that other people might find challenging or even debilitating and you've turned it into this whole very interesting career. So can you kind of walk us through the, the, um, you know, big points and, and fill our readers in or our, excuse me, our listeners in on your story? Sure. Um, well, it's my story, huh? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you know what happened when you have a story that, in some moment, has been heavy, and um, it's kind of you select part of it in some time of my youth, or then I spent years and years in therapy and psychotherapy to deal with my story, and now I feel like I inhabit all my story without selection, which is great. It's like, it's like being myself, you know? Um, uh, my name is Viola because my dad was a musician. He, was, uh, he had another formal job as an engineer in a petroleum company, but his passion was the music. And in the 50s, he used to have a, a band. So I'm his first child and he wanted to connect me with the music and everybody was saying this is a very rare name, you know, and it seems like I stay some day, some days without name. But at the end he won and this is why my name is Viola. And I'm quite happy about this name because my dad passed away very, very early age when I was three years old. So it's like my memory of him are very... Um, how would you say, um, uh, confused between the photograph, the story, the dreams, uh, what I recover from my own therapeutical process. So carrying my name that he insisted so much that I have is, is just such a blessing. And uh, I, I thought I'll tell you this story. So as I said, he passed away very early age and my mom was pregnant with my sister and we were in a my dad was a, a, a Syrian Iraqi and my mom is Lebanese. And in that time, we were in Kirkuk, Iraq, where me and my sister were born. Uh, so it was it, that event in our life. It has been very meaningful because it has changed all our lives. So uh, after some months of my dad uh, passing, my mom gave birth to my sister she, that she she was uh, she was born with some health condition uh, because of the grieving and all the drama that my mom passed through. So then 
for around nine months to a year, my mom was very, very focused on my sister. And I think, me and my sister, we talk a lot about it. I think that's the time. It's not about losing only my father. I think, in a way, from being an only child to have a, a mother with uh, seven months pregnant and the tragedy of losing her husband and then giving birth to a child that has some health problem. So it's, it's kind of I also lost my mother in the way of how I knew my mother. So through my life, I, I carried this feeling of being orphaned for a long time. You follow me, Ellie? Oh, absolutely, yeah. And yeah, and um, and with orphanity, there were a big, big shadow of being a victim. And I think that was my major challenge in life to be able to get out of that, uh, because of course, being being a victim and being loneliness and all that helped me to make me the child that I was like quite lonely with books. Nobody remember at which age I start having books in my hand. But books was my refuge uh, place and uh, and um, school. I, I was one of these weird kids who just love school. Then the other tragedy come because we changed countries. Uh, first country, we changed from Iraq to Lebanon that my mom went back to live with her family. And then the situation in Lebanon was very tense and, you know, very early 70s. And it's followed by a war that lasted 15 years. So then my mom decided to um, to take us out of Lebanon. And then she emigrated to Venezuela, where she had a brother there. And she had cousins there. And then... This was the other tragedy of my life because by moving to Venezuela, we become literally immigrant and it was tough time. And then I had to stop schooling to start working at the age of 13. So um, um, considering that books and school were my safer place in life, apart from being with my mom and my sister, uh, that was like quite a shock. And I remember the, uh, how can I say, the pain of that moment. To it's not like they, it's not like anybody told me I have to do that. That was, that was so clear because you know in the way how we left Lebanon and how we were living with an uncle and how was the situation and I could not just continue my schooling as it was. I had to be so back in in my lessons until I learned the language and all that things. So it was very obvious that I would have to stop school and learn a trade that I can do with my hand. And um, so they asked me to choose between being, um, how do you call it? Doing clothes, making clothes. Like a seamstress? Yes, or hairdresser. And both of them were like, I'm... I'm Honestly, I'm not very good with my hands. I'm very good with my speaking. But by then, we didn't know that. So I, I thought I chose the less dramatic for, for me, which was hairdressing. But it was so tough. I mean, uh, didn't learn very quickly. And uh, it was quite dramatic for me. But nevertheless, being responsible and uh, the one who I am. So I start working in, in a shoe store and then having this lesson of being hairdresser and 
you know, and life started. And and then I had a huge uh, change in my personality. I used to be very introverted child, very silent, and I would say gray. But I thought, if I continue like that, I'm going to die in this, all this new environment. And something happened in me. I don't know what was it. But I had a transformation. I become much more chatty and bubbly and just um, learn the language in three months and doing these two jobs and studying and reading and, and trying to speak the language even if it was not perfect and become much more chatty. Uh, of course, now I'm much more chattier. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so those were very interesting years of um, struggle and um, new world. I mean, Venezuela, it's... Uh, it was a very amazing, beautiful, welcoming country. You will not feel foreigner there. You will not feel uh, discriminated in any way. So it was a lot of opportunity. We're talking about early 70s. And, um, you know, we find our way and we managed to move house and have me, my mother and my sister have our own place and all of us working very hard. My sister managed to continue school, but work on the weekend taking care of children and helping some family to take care of their businesses and help and you know very all of us we get immersed in these new opportunities and um then here i am i'm 15 and before that at 14 i was sent to north america to canada and and us with my uncle my a father's brother, and I was sent to decide if we will move country, where that will be, which city, or if we will stay in Venezuela. So at 14, I had to make this decision for my family, um, which was a heavy decision. And uh, I decided to stay in Venezuela. And when mom will tell me why, I said, well, the weather is so good and the people are as good as the weather, you know. I think I suffered a little bit in Canada with the weather. It was October, November, December. So uh, we decided to stay. Actually, my mother uh, followed my advice and we stay. And and then at 15, uh, I was already a hairdresser and working, but hating every moment of it because I really, really was not good. and and uh, didn't like uh, didn't like it and um, developed an allergy for the spray I don't know if you remember in the 70s they used to use a lot of spray to all these hairstyles then I learned about uh, you know Eileen there is a, a tragedy for children when they stop schooling for for some reason being changing country or being illness of their parents there were no uh, system uh, installed to give uh, so children could continue their schooling at night because in order to study at night you would have to be over 18 at least in my in my country in Venezuela so that was you know nowadays with all the online courses and that has changed and people have access to so much to learn but in that time it was quite dramatic so looking and looking and not never forgetting my dream to become a psychotherapist and teacher, I find a system that they 
find a way to go into into the law and accept uh, kids at 16 into the night uh, educational system. So here I am, 15 and a half, went to that school and start negotiating with them and they will not let me in because I'm under the age. But I negotiated so well, so well, that not only they accepted me, they offered me a job in the morning in the same school and they offered me scholarship to study at night. So uh, I guess that was one of my first um, network persuasive uh, <laughs> events in my life uh-huh. where I could see how much passion and how much persistent uh, when you put it all there and you present yourself with it, you're going to get what you want sooner or later. I did all that change without saying to my mother, I enrolled in the school, accepted this new job, being secretary in the morning, find another job in the afternoon and study at night. So for the next three to five years, I sleep like three hours. Oh, my goodness. And I had to face my mother to tell her that we live in the head, dressing thing something but anyway I managed and I managed to redo part of my high school and finish high school at night and that was uh, fantastic for me back to books even when it was so hard university at night in Caracas and for six years consecutive six years that I apply I will not get it I will get law I will get diplomacy I would get political study I will get social work And then I was persisting and started social work to be able to change later. But you know what I did very cleverly as I was working and by the age of 21, I already was a manager of marketing because I started at 13. So I had money and I had um, money to pay my studies and to educate myself in different areas like music, like theater, like uh, I'm a lover of opera. You know, when a child interrupt, when when uh, school and lifestyle is interrupted, there is a lot of pain. It's not only the school is interrupted, it's all what it comes around it. Yeah, I, I find it really interesting. You were able to go from that um, almost like victim place to a place of empowerment very quickly. Yes. Well, it was... It was years, years of struggling, years of a lot of limitation. But, you know, that was that passion and that dream that guided me all the way through. And still there, still here. And and I learned not to stop a dream because the the way how you thought you're going to go there is not available. So I learned how to get around it, you know. It's, It's like that experience of... My mom, when she get widow at uh, when she become a widow at the age of 24, and she was pregnant, how these women survive in a foreigner country and move and move again, and you know here we are three women living together, uh, uh, fighters, uh, warriors, uh, each one of us in our own ways. and uh, it was very encouraging, you know, my mom, even when she will always tell me that uh, I should marry and have children and this is the best for me. But what I saw is a woman leading and dealing with her two children by herself, you know. Mm. So, you know, we don't do what we are told to do. We do what we see as Mm -hmm. uh, 
as model. So I think I learned from her a lot how to transform. I think my mom was this woman who learned how to make uh, sew dresses and um, and do uh, how you call it knitting, mm-hmm. and she will do our outfit and we will always look like princesses doesn't matter if we didn't have any money she put a lot of before when we were in Lebanon she put a lot of effort to for us to have good education and and uh, and I remember in my teenage she was making me a dress and she needed some adornment or something and she said I will take it from the curtain and we will put curtain later on Mm. and this woman who who could transform things, who could cook beautifully, who make a, a catering business in her small kitchen. And anyway, she will feed the rest of the, <laughs> the neighborhood. So I grew up with some, with a lot of uh, maybe in a way money limitation, but not um, food limitation or, or, or clothes limitation because she would just do it. You know, mm-hmm. she would just create. It and sounds I think like we learned that. And I, yeah. I apologize to interrupt you, but it sounds like you grew up also without like mind limitation because you're talking about mindset and your dream and this thing that you always held on to. And um, it it sounds like you weren't allowing yourself to be limited by your circumstances. Yes, I mean we. I had some limitation coming from home from surrounding. My mom was my mom was like kind of tigress, you know, defending us and giving us everything she could. <clears throat> but you know, when we moved to Venezuela and we start living in the Lebanese community, nearby the Lebanese community, nearby her family, she did have she started to be a little bit more uh, limited because it was so much pressure about with her about having two girls and being alone. And um, even when she was a warrior herself, she would be very worried about me studying at night, coming at midnight at home. And she would tell me, people are talking. And I would say, well, let's don't listen to them, you know. Mm. And um, and uh, she was worried, but at the same time, she would give me the space to develop and I will take it, you know. I just learned it was surviving. I could not just ask for permission. I, I needed to do it. You know, I, I, I it, it's like, I'll do it or I die. This is what my, my photo is. Yeah. Like. So, yeah. And she well, obviously well, let me the space in a struggling way. Yeah. Well, a lot of times success comes from that very place of determination and um, survival. You know, when you, when you have to make it happen, a lot of times people just find a way to make it happen. And yeah. on your website, there's a quote that I liked. It, it is, it's a definition of success. And it says, success is feelings, thoughts, and actions dancing to the same rhythm. And I thought that was so beautiful. <laughs> yes. uh, so I wondered if you could speak to that a little bit. Yeah. You know, because many times when we are, because we have, you know, we have dreams and these dreams become more you become visionary person when you start putting action in your dream when you talk about them when you write them when you look for when you look for situation that those dreams come closer to you and then and then you need also to work with your thoughts because thought represent many times the past all what you have heard 
all the conditioning that you have had, all the memories that you have selected and you interpret and are there sometimes to haunt you. So the work is about is about um, uh, to, to dream, but also to to transform the quality of your thoughts. So they become uh, accordingly dancing with your actions, because if you feel if I feel I'm not going to make it, I'm not going to make it. And but the action is going to that interview, going to that change. And I'm saying I never make it. Nobody in my family make it. We, we will not be able to make it. So the, the dance is, is the, 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 the thought and the and the action are stepping in each other's foot and feet. And we cannot continue the dance. Yeah. So so I learned from early age and later through my work with breath work that that you breathe you you get inspiration you breathe in what you, you what you want and you slowly slowly breathe out what you don't want even when you cannot get away from it but at least as an action as a desire you you breathe it out yeah oh interesting like healing and- victimcy is not is not just oh i'm not victim anymore it's a, it's a work it's a it's an interesting, um, smart, not only hard work, it's a smart work. It's, it's how, how to, uh, having a vision, how to have a dream, how to make action, how to receive the, how to ask for help, how to receive the help of others, how to select which one people going to stay in your life, which one not, how to move from one job to another, how to move from a relationship to other. And it take, you know, it take long time and long practice. And I still practice, you know, because many things happen in life that I don't choose and I have to go through. So I, I have still the opportunity to practice. Yeah, and that's a good metaphor for life. I think it's a continual practice for all of us. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. that journey. Um, So, Viola, this uh, I want to ask you another question. This is an audio podcast, so people cannot see your beautiful face. But I want to kind of describe the way you look, because I think this is important. And um, and then I want to ask you about it. So, like, first of all, you are um, not a woman that, you know, hides her age. I I read on your website somewhere that you're like 60 ish. Right. Yeah, I'm going to be. 59 in 14th of March. Okay. Well, happy almost birthday. Um, But no, that's wonderful. I mean, you know, some women are are more shy about their age, but of course we all age. So that's kind of silly. Um, But you have this look, you, you, you are just rocking it. I have to say you've got (laughs) this shock of white hair. It's stylishly cut. You, You know, it's cool. And you've always got this kind of like elegance and beauty and um, dramatic, you know, look about you with your fashion and and the way you present yourself. So it it seems that you exude this like incredible confidence. You're very comfortable in your skin. And part of your work is around helping people with how they present themselves so I'm just wondering if you can talk to that. Like, were you always this confident or how did you learn these skills? Yes, thank you for asking this. So nice. Well, I think it started with mom. Doing My mom is, um, 
I know I'm an attractive woman, but I am the daughter of an amazingly beautiful woman that people will stop in the street to look at her. It, it's uh, we're talking about Middle East in the 60s and um, then Venezuela in the 70s. And my mom has a very particular blue eyes, uh, very it's like a, a body that she she was always like size maybe between 12, 14. And by Asian, she put more weight, but she will hold it. So it was, was so much pride. And she had that consciousness about herself and about her beauty, not that she did anything with it, like modeling or fashion or anything, but it was something that she carried very nicely. And I remember being five years old and being having that episode again in the street, somebody stopped, like they stopped and said, oh my God, such a beautiful woman. And I remember having this consciousness without any trauma, huh? that I don't have that beauty, that I don't have that impact that I need to be very intelligent and study a lot because I don't have that that my mom had. And I remember telling her that and laughing. And my mom said to me, do you know that mole I have in my face that everybody prays so much? I said, yes. She said, I know you don't have it, but did you notice that you have two of those in your left arm? And do you know what that symbolizes? And I said, no. And she said, infinite intelligence and wisdom and kindness and you have two of them and and, um and that was so uh, beautiful you know how i grow up knowing that having an extreme beauty or not being attractive that all all of us we're attractive and being herself making all our dresses and things. I guess I grow out without grow up without limitation. And uh, everybody remembered that I was always a little bit uh, involved with fashion and I like it and I like color. But then here it is that when we age and our body also get transformed and there is weight here and there and I get this consciousness about how whatever consciousness of beauty and being comfortably well-dressed is can accompany us all the way through. Yeah? Yeah, absolutely. And then uh, this is what I did. And then I went to, um, of course, I passed into those stages of life that I was always dressed in black and, you know, all these things. But then I get a training in House of Color in 2010 in England and they they train consultant to to help us to understand which color which color suit us best what's our hue and how to have more by having less and and there is this statistic that especially women wear 85% of the time only 15% of their wardrobe because they get things that they see and they like in others but they don't like in themselves and there is that feeling that I don't have enough so that being me sustainable, that attracted me a lot about this course. And uh, this is what I do. I, I, apart from my work as a psychotherapist and coach and business consultant, I also support people to look which color suit them best and, and look for those colors to dress and make their own. Of course, fashion gives us some guidelines, but not to be trapped in fashion. Create your own fashion that 
that you feel comfortable with that suit your body shape because you you feel it not because only somebody says so huh? so we gave like some guidelines about um style and um give uh, this session give a wallet and a booklet about colors and uh, and your wardrobe is transformed and and you look always good as you see me that you thank you you see me always good it's because my wardrobe is functional I have things that stay with me for years and time to time I add new items, but because they are the colors that suit me, everything, match everything. Mm. And because I have this style of being comfortable, so like now that I have some weight on after my being working in Italy, <laughs> and then, you know, my, 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 my motto is be comfortable and attractive to yourself. And don't make, you know, huge sacrifice in your well-being because we are dressed all day, we're, we're out all day, being shoes, being, being belt, being accessories. Be comfortable. And comfort and color and the style that suits you, know that it will create beauty. Oh, that's wonderful. So are you doing these color consultations online or is that an in-person workshop? Uh, I do it in person, but online I can do talks and I can we can create something online and then we'll uh, support you to go to a consultant in your area that will do this the, the work personally with you. Wonderful. That sounds... And then great. my hair, and then my hair, my husband, it becomes so white that I needed to put, to color it like every four or five days. It was unbelievable. I'm a healthy person that my hair grow very quickly. <laughs> uh-huh. And one day my husband said, what could happen if you just let it be? And I get so scared. I said, what do you mean? <laughs> and then, and talk about with some friends and they said, never. <laughs> and then. Bless him, he told me, look, you know, what, what you're going to lose? You know, just relax and try it. And if you don't like it, you you color it back. And then we try it and it come out well. And it's real freedom, actually. And very yeah. happy with it. Yes. Oh, yes. it's beautiful. And it's almost like your signature. It's your signature look. You know, it makes you stand out. And it's <laughs> yeah, yeah. fabulous. It's trademark. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's absolutely great. So, um, so we talked a little bit about the art of the pivot of, you know, changing direction. We talked a little bit about um, the color work and a little bit about the breath work that you do. What about the um, business side of things? A lot of my listeners are entrepreneurs or would like to be entrepreneurs. And yep. um, I am just curious what perhaps there is some nugget of advice you can give to entrepreneurs or um, some mistakes you see a lot of people making or is there just (laughs) well we don't have a lot of time but is there some like nugget of wisdom you can share with us yeah I wanted to say that uh, before I become before I managed to fulfill my dream and become psychotherapist I worked 21 years in business it started in small business and then in school and medium-sized business, and I end in corporate, in corporate business like insurance company, transnational insurance company. So I know, I know what happened in the business inside, how people suffer from where. 
And then when I become a psychotherapist, breathworker, coach, uh, I was totally dedicated there. And one of my dearest friends and first client and somebody I, I really admire, consultant, she asked me to come and work with her. And I said, I'm not going back to business. And she said, this is from the other door. And um, and uh, she trained me and we start doing business like holistic business consultancy. I'm talking about early 90s. It was a boom in South America and it's happening now in Europe, but it was a boom. And then what we did is to work in the mindset and the individual purpose and vision to be able to accompany the company in their vision. We work in strategic planning. And one day, being a student of Chinese medicine, that I did two years of that, the philosophical part, I get it clear when I saw the, the explanation of the element and how each element influences organs and behavior and how each element influences another one. And how in Chinese medicine, if you have a problem with your kidney, maybe they will check your heart and will check other organs because it's about the element influencing that, yeah? Mm -hmm. And then I get it clear, and I will, I, I will send you a photo maybe. I don't know if with, with your program you can. And I, I presented how in a company, maybe this is what I'm, I can give you, how in a company is all in, interconnected. People is the heart of the company. Process and system are very important. Uh, the structure, a structure that is um, that is flexible, but at the same time firm, is very important. The strategy and the vision shared is very important, and also the reward, not only the profit, the reward that we're getting. So all these five elements, they are interacting by by with themselves, with each other, and when people manifest a problem, let's say people get ill very much in that company, or people always come late, or we have problem of communication. My job as a holistic business consultant, as 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 a, as a Oriental, as a Chinese a traditional Chinese doctor, will be: where is the cause of that illness? Where is the cause of that? From where is coming? It is coming from system and processes that are, are not well set. It is coming from a structure that is very aloof or very rigid. It is coming that the people don't know where we're going, where is the vision of this company or this branch or this department, or people are not rewarded, not only not well paid, rewarded, career plan, respect, participation, etc. And all these elements set in what are the core values of the company or the organization. So that's something I do. It's, it's explained in a chapter in in a book that I wrote in 1999, which is Breeding the Rhythm of Success. And you can find it in Amazon. It, it was my first book. And um, and then from there, from that big package that I could do, uh, then I can go to a company and work uh, in communication or in motivation or in personality type or other things that maybe I'm there for one day or one week and not a whole year. So my tip for you as a new entrepreneur is that remember that a leader always, always will work in herself, in himself, to become the best version of themselves. And a leader is that one who will create the best field so, so his people, her people will give their optimum result. And for that, there is few leaders in the world 
that are holistic and there is much more followers. So if you want to be a leader, you need to be coachable. You need to always continue your learning, not necessarily where other people tell you what you have to learn. Follow yourself what you have to learn. And sometimes you need to, to listen to others and also see how many people are working with you. Maybe you have only one worker, maybe you have thousands. But you need to keep an eye to create the best, best field for them to be able to develop and give you and give you their best. And that, I'm not talking only about money. Is is many things you can do. Many, many things you can do. Oh, that's brilliant. Thank you, Viola. That's that's wonderful. And um, wow, I've very much enjoyed talking with you. I'm afraid we are at a time for this episode, but we can always have you back in the future. Yeah. Of yeah, course. it would be fun. Um, before we, we wrap this up, um, how is the best way for people to get in touch with you? Uh, I have an email, which is info at violaedward.com. Edward is without S. I have a website that is www.violaedward.com. And another website that is www.feminine.com capitalforum.com maybe this is another time we're going to talk about the work I do with women and men around the world uh, through their feminine and masculine capital and why is why us women our bigger and most beautiful capital is our femininity ah that sounds wonderful thank you but um, I will also post all of those links on the page on my website and if you want to send me that picture um, that diagram you mentioned, I can put that up there as well. So um, everybody can easily find all of that. So I'd like to thank you again for being on the show. And there is another book you can find that I published this year because I specialize in relationship and um, couple therapy and is uh, Who Makes the Bed? And this one is about uh, relationship, loving relationship. Oh, perfect. So we'll put that up there as well. Um, Viola, thank you again for talking with us today. It was really wonderful. Uh, thank you all for listening to the show. My guest was Viola Edward. And you can find this complete interview and all the links we just mentioned on our website, readysetgrit.com. Thank you again for joining us and tune in again next Friday when we release another episode with tips on turning your daydream into a phenomenal success. Thanks for tuning in to Ready, Set, Grit, your life on purpose with Ellen Barton. Look us up online at readysetgrit.com where you'll find daily inspiration, links to our social media, and where you can access our ebooks and online classes. Ready, Set, Grit. Inspired actions, real results.